Did everybody get a My Identity in Christ paper? Okay, if you did not, raise your hands and we'll find somebody to bring some. Archie will get some in here. Just keep your hand up. Do you see this good-looking guy with a big red beard? A cap. He's hard to see because he's camoed up. Oh, and here comes CJ. We, we can see him too. Raise your hands. Get Everybody, you need this in your Bible. You need it on your refrigerator door. You need to memorize it. It's a lot to memorize. But as we start out this new year, listen, this is paramount that you know who you are in Christ. We preach it all the time, but it's good to have it in front of you. And this isn't all of them. This is just as many as we can get on two pages, okay? But this is a great start for who you are in Christ, who he says you are. That's why we sing that song, who you say I am. It's not who your neighbor says you are, your spouse, your children. It's not who your coworkers say you are. It's who Jesus says you are. And you need to get this in your spirit. It needs to be more than, uh, I just read it and I know this and I've read this before. It's, you need to get it in your spirit that it begins to work on your soulish realm, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Because when the enemy comes against you, you need to know, "Uh uh-uh, no, that's not who I am. This is who I am. The Word of God tells me who I am. This isn't something we made up to make you feel good. This is what the Word of God says. And he is not a liar. Amen? He he tells the truth about who we are. So we need to know who we are in Christ. They are. There's probably still some of the copier. I didn't have any. Okay, it's two-sided. Don't waste paper. <laughs> I made 150 of them. Oh, I know how to do two-sided, yeah. Wow. And there's a stack back there. I know we had more. Come on, Terry, bring them out here. When I was growing up, we were so poor... We couldn't afford gloves, so we wore socks when it snowed on our hands. Anybody, can I get a witness? And guess what? Socks don't work so good. They get soaked through very quickly, and all of a sudden, you think you're going to go enjoy the snow, and you're not enjoying the snow because you hurt so bad. Your hands are burning. Your feet are burning. And you're coming inside, and you're trying to find the the Dearborn heater that's in the house. You know, they're not very safe. But we had a Dearborn heater. That's the kind you turn on at the wall and you light it with a, with a match, you know, and uh, you try to get there and you try to warm up as long as you, and, and like it's kids, man, you're going to warm up quickly and you get back outside. Give me some fresh, dry glove, uh, uh, socks so I can go back out and finish my snowman. And they were never very, very pretty snowmen, were they? I would say we were so poor we couldn't afford the carrot for the nose, but we had carrots. So, uh, but I... I have great, I have fond memories of snow because there were so few and far between you could kind of remember them and getting outside and having snowball fights and, and uh, making, anybody ever make snow ice cream? And you thought it was the greatest thing in the world, greatest stuff in the world, but bleh, not that good, you know? <laughs> raw egg and you put raw egg in it and anybody put raw egg in it? Yeah. And vanilla and sugar and mix it with ice, basically that's what you had, snow ice cream. Uh, try to catch it on your tongue. All those things. Snow is, you know, I just, I was talking to the, the people and the guys out in the front this morning. I walked out. So what does this remind you of this beautiful blanket of snow? And Because to me, it reminds me of God's love. Yeah. 
and his forgiveness. Uh, just look at our cars is, is a most of your cars then you drove up in here today are dirty, right? But you're going to go out after church and they're going to be white as snow. They're going to look so pristine. Wow. And that's what we need some more. Yes. Okay, we have it. Somehow we got two different copies. So you need to get the one that says My Identity in Jesus Christ, and it's two sided. The ones I gave out were not the right ones. Oh, the ones you were getting. But they're still good, right? They're just different. They're, not they're different. That's okay. Different. Okay. Oh, there's something completely different. Okay. Well, we don't want to do that. Uh, okay. Yeah, if we pass it out, it's good. So when, when you're a. When you're a pastor and you're starting a new year, you repeat some things. You kind of set the, the, the tone for the next year. And that's why identity is so important and freedom is so important. We want to talk about celebrating freedom. I was just going to do a one, it was a one-shot sermon last week, celebrate life and ended up celebrating God, celebrating his goodness and his faithfulness. And then God said, no, you're not done yet. Let's celebrate freedom. So we're going to celebrate freedom today. And it's... It, it's maybe different than what you expected just by seeing the title, but it's celebrating the freedom that we have because of the grace of God. Amen. And I want to talk about grace a lot this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians, not Ephesians, goodness gracious, Romans. Uh, you, we're going to start out in Romans 5, one verse, and then we're going to flip over to Romans 6 for the bulk of our, our message this morning. But that, that song we just sang said, Free at last, he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep while i was say was while i was a slave to sin jesus died for me yes he died for me while we were yet sinners the bible says christ died for us and i had that explained to me one time by a a sermon many many years ago i'm sure i was very young and, and the pastor was saying you know that means in in the middle of your worst sin think about this and maybe you don't want to think about it But in the middle of our worst sin, the the worst times of our life, and we were so far away from God, he died for you. He died for that right there. So that ought to humble us right right off the bat, that we should be humbled by the fact that Jesus died for us while we were still in our sin. While we were still sinners, while we were still doing our own thing, he, he died for us. So we're gonna, I'm going to set this up, Romans 5, but I want, to, I want to announce this to you this morning. You've got time today. Go back and read all of Romans 5 and read all of Romans 6 today. Read them together and get a, a better picture of grace than I, maybe even I'm going to give you this morning. But Romans 5:17. this is the Apostle Paul, and we're reading from the Passion Translation. He says, death once held us in its grip. Death once held us in its grip. Y'all get that? Death once held us held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, who's the, bl- who's the man, the one man? Adam. Adam. I don't know why he didn't mention Eve there, but he just, <laughs> one man. By the, by the blunder of one man, Adam, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, say but now. Yes. How much more are we held, I love this, in the grip of grace. Isn't that beautiful? In the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. Adam messed it up. Jesus came and cleared it all up. Amen. Amen. He made a way for us to be 
the grip from the enemy that he had on your life before Jesus, now that we are gripped, we are in the hand of Almighty God. We are in God's hands this morning. We are in his righteous right hand. He holds us up in his hand. He says, no man can snatch you, take you out of his hand. So say, I'm in the grip of his grace. Isn't that a good place to be this morning? In the grip of His grace. Now, grace, you, there's a lot of definitions, people, and, and they use the uh, acronym uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. But, you know, when you just simply go back to the word grace, it's from the Greek word charis. I can't say the <laughs> charis, but it's, it's charis, okay? And, and that really, it really means just wonderful. It means good. It means goodness. It means goodwill. It means favor, and it means kindness. That's really what grace is. But see, when we say talk about grace, a lot of us exhibit grace. You can exhibit kindness. You can exhibit favor. You can exhibit goodwill toward people. You can do all those things. But we're talking about grace in light of the Savior. So it's a so different thing when it's in the light of the, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's His grace that He pours out upon us. It's His kindness, His favor. A lot of people, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got a job interview, so I'm just going to pray for the favor of God. Listen, you already got the favor of God. If you're His... You already walk in His grace. You already walk in His kindness. You already walk in His love. You already walk in all these things He's already given you. See, the problem with us as Christians, we don't recognize what we've got. We don't recognize our identity. We're not aware of our identity. We're not aware that we should celebrate our freedom in Christ. So we wake up in the morning and we go through the day the same old way that we went through yesterday and we wonder why we're not living in victory. Why the same sins dog us. Why the same sins, the same habits keep creeping up in our life. You know, I love the fact that there's, uh, there's an there's a Alcoholics Anonymous group, but they're not called Alcoholics Anonymous. You know what they're called? Celebrate Recovery. Because they were celebrating what God has done in their life. Celebrating recovery. They don't get up and they don't announce, even though they might have been Free and, and free and clean and sober for years, they still get up in Al- Alcoholics Anonymous, if I'm not mistaken, and they say, hi, my name is Harold Watkins, and I'm an alcoholic. And I go, what? Why would you do that? Why would you get up and say, I'm set free by the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I walk in the grace of God. I'm not addicted. We have to start confessing the things that God, who he says we are, instead of what, what the world or what some program would tell you to say. We've got to learn to celebrate. Celebrate is a good word. Amen. It's just a good word. Man, a celebrate means we're happy. Celebrate means we have a party. Celebrate means we acknowledge good things are going on and we just celebrate. Celebrate the great, the, this grace that God has poured out on us. Now listen, before Christ, we were in the grip of the enemy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You made decisions. You didn't know why you made the decisions. You were tempted and you gave into temptations. You don't even know why you would give into temptation. And you would just, you would walk and you would fail and you would walk and you would fall and you would walk and you would mess up. Because you were in the grip of the enemy. Before Christ, that's who had you. Whether you were a good person or not. Before Christ, we're all lost. We are all dead in our sins. We are dead in our transgressions. Y'all understand that? Before Christ, you were in the grip of, of the enemy. But after Christ, when Jesus comes in, we're in the grip of his grace. Christ defeated death. He defeated sin at the cross. We are now in the grip of his, not just his grace, but his amazing grace. Verse, now let's move on to Romans chapter 6, verse 12. This, again, this is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the church at Rome. He said, sin is a dethroned monarch. 
So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live. Say you. And compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. Say you. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him who has, as one who has now experienced resurrected life. Now, there's some, this is powerful. This is power-packed verses. You need to underline these. You need to understand these. He says, you need to yield your body. I can't yield my body for Betty. I can't yield my body for anybody else. I have to yield my body to Christ on my own. I'm responsible for me. You understand that. You're responsible for you. Remember, remember this. Sin will not conquer you for God already has. God has conquered you. You are not governed by law but governed by the reign of the grace of God. The second point is the reign of the grace of God. The, in other words, you are not under the government of the enemy anymore. You're under the government of God. He is your supreme authority. He is your king. We talk about this whole election has been about getting the right person in place, getting in, in, in the White House. But listen, Israel wanted a king really bad, and God kept saying, no, you don't need a king. You got me. And listen, when he gave them a king, listen, he wasn't a good king. Because they had lost, they've lost their focus upon who they were supposed to celebrate, who they were supposed to serve, who they were supposed to worship. And I'm not saying we're not supposed to vote and get the right person in place. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if, if you're more concerned about him than him, there's a problem. Because we've got to be, we've got to have our lives so lined up with him that when whatever happens here, we're still walking in the peace that passes the understanding. Because it is chaotic and it could get more chaotic. Persecution could come. But even if it does, we stand upon the word of God. We stand empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do what God's called us to do, not what man expects us to do. We need to let rain. We need to let grace reign in our life. The goodness of God, the kindness of God, the favor of God. Paul simply, he talks about this freedom that we have from sin, that sin has been dethroned. And so he said, don't give it an opportunity in your life to to work in your life. You know what that means? means? It's simply this. Know your boundaries. Be aware of your surroundings. Know what you're responding to. Don't put don't put yourself in a place where, you know, you're weak. So many people that they. They get saved and they, oh, God, glorify God. God's go good. And then they, they've had a, this issue in their life all of their life. And they think, well, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to save everybody in the prison. I'm going to save everybody in the bar. I'm going to save everybody in the drug den. And they go in and they get right back into the same slop that they were in before because they weren't ready. And they gave opportunity to sin. Man, if you're an alcoholic, don't go hang out at the bar. If you've had a problem with alcohol, don't go hang around your buddies that drink every time you see them because they're breaking out the 12-pack. You're not judging them. You're saying, I can't be around that. You're using wisdom. Don't give opportunity. Don't give the devil. The Bible says don't give the devil even a foothold. That's all he wants is to get his foot in the door of your life. You know, sometimes we want to blame everything on the devil. But now he says, it's when your desires, it's when your desires start rising up and you want to go back to your old lifestyle. Listen, 
Quit blaming him for the, the very decisions that you've got to make in your life daily. You have a choice every day you wake up who you're going to serve. You have a choice every day you wake up how you're going to treat your wife. You've got a choice every day when you wake up how you're going to minister to your, to, your, to your family, to your children. You have a choice every day when you wake up what kind of a, a boss are you going to be or an employee are you going to be. You're going to be a godly employee? You're going to be a godly boss? You've got that choice every day. But you know why you have that choice? Because of grace. Because of grace, he's given us that freedom to make these choices. I was preparing this message, and you remember we talked about, I mentioned it several times about how we named the church Freedom. Then we, we added fellowship, and we thought Freedom Fellowship, this is, that's the name that God has given us. And then we had the scripture to back it up. And we had to go to the NIV because in the NKJV it didn't say freedom, it said liberty. So I want to read you the scripture that we always use, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord of the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? It's on our sign outside. So it used to be on, all, on a lot of our brochures and things. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I was telling Mary Lou this week, she said, that is cool. So I looked it up in the Passion Translation. I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever, wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Ooh. Let's read that again. Yeah, I'll, I'll read that again. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, wherever he is Lord, wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. And that makes you just just look at it in a little different context. It, say, it still says the same thing in the other verse, but this just kind of makes it a little clearer. You see, when you really want to walk in freedom, the Lord has to be the Lord of your life. How many, Chris, how many of you got, you got saved? You said, I want Jesus as my Savior. I don't want my sins to hold, be killed, held against me anymore. I want to go to heaven. How many of you said that? All of us said that. But how many of you forgot to say, but I want him to be Lord of my life? Because nobody taught you that, oh, you mean there's more to it than just getting saved? Of course there is. He says to be, he wants you to be Lord of his life. That means you run everything by him. You, you, you check out everything with him. You check out everything with his word. You check out everything with his, his plans and his purposes for your life. He becomes Lord of your life. You don't move without him saying move. You don't back up until he says back up. You don't take this job and says he's, until he says that's the that's job I want you. You don't marry this person. You don't hang out with that crowd until you run it by God because he's Lord of your life. He's your master. You're a bond servant. You choose to serve him. And guess what? He's the best person. He's the best one you can serve because he knows you inside and out. and He knows what's best for you. So why would you want to serve the devil who has wrong intentions for you? Why would you want to serve the people around you that are not for you, that are not for God? Why would you want to serve those people that are going to lead you down the wrong road? Instead of serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who created you, He's, He put you all together. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Amen. Don't you think He knows better, Tammy, what you need than what you think you know you, that you need? Right? Doesn't He? I could ask that for everybody here. Don't you think He knows better for you? Or even than what you think you know for yourself? Of course He does. But if you don't run it by Him, if you don't check it out with His Word, guess what? We end up, oh, His foot's in the door. Oh, I'm back doing what I... I, I swore I would never do. <laughs> I'll never do that again. Make these vows and you forgot to leave God out of that vow. Like, God, with your help, I'll never do that again. By your spirit, I will never do that again. Let's move on to verse 15. 
I'm sure Paul, when he answered questions, his, his letters were because people had questions, okay? And he probably thought, why would you ask this question? But I'm going to answer you anyway. What are we to do then? Should we send to our heart's content since there's no law to condemn us anymore? See, apparently people were going, oh, so I'm under grace. Paul, if I understand this right, I'm under grace. I'm free, right? I don't even, even if food is offered to idols, I can eat that food, right? If it doesn't offend anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm free to do what I want to do. Hmm, not quite what I'm, not, not quite what the Lord is trying to get at here as he's telling his parishioners, he's, he's telling his followers, because, there, you know, we're always kind of wanting to look for an out for how we can walk as close to the world as we can and still stay in the kingdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We do. We, we walk the edge. We walk the line. Like there's, there's the world down there and here's the kingdom. And you're like, man, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the kingdom. Ooh, what? Ooh, that was, ooh, I like to watch that. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to fall down there. I, I want to stay in the kingdom. So, God, what should I do? Oh, that's a good question. Ask God, what should you do? You know what he'll say? Repent. Get back where you need to be. Isn't that crazy? People are going, well, if, if your grace is so good, the more I sin, the more it's going to show how graceful you are. How would you like your kids to have that little idea in their head? My, my, my mom and dad love me so much, the more I get in trouble, the more I get to experience their love. Right? They could use that analogy if we use it in our, in our walk. And so Paul was saying, oh, that's a, he said, I like how he puts this, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> what a terrible thought. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully, for you surrender yourself to become a servant, bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master. Mm. And it will own you and reward you with D-E-A-T-H. Not a good word, death there. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. It's your choice. I knew a person that was addicted to alcohol. And, uh, man... She would, she would try to get help. She would go to every, every kind of program, every kind of recovery. She'd been in and out, in and out, in and out, and all of them. And one day, this lady that had been ministering to her, she came to me. She said, Pastor, so-and-so is back in jail again on public intoxication. I said, what? Oh, man. Yeah, she, she, she did, made a scene, and she got arrested, and she's back in jail. And she said, I, I ministered to her again, and she said, I've come to the conclusion that what she told me is what she believes and I said, what's that? She said, well, she loves alcohol. She loves alcohol. She just loves the taste of it. You see, if you start falling in love with sin, then it leads to death. It leads to cirrhosis of the liver in some cases. It leads to DWIs. It leads to death on the house. I mean, you just pick a sin and, and accelerate it to where the enemy will accelerate it and multiply it. And dominate your life with it. Even as a believer, if you start loving that sin, you will find yourself in a bad, bad, bad situation. And God's all the time saying, no, 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 no. Choose me. 
I've given you the grace to choose me. I've given you the freedom to walk out from under that sin. I died for that sin. You don't have to live under the dominion of of alcoholism or whatever it is. Fill in the blank. You don't have to live under that anymore because I've already paid the price for that. See, grace sets us free to make our own choices. How many of you know the consequence? Just picture in your mind one of the sins that you've had a problem with. How many of you know that there's consequences to it? How many of you have experienced the consequences of it? Huh. Yeah. Who reminds you that there are no consequences to your sin? The enemy. He tells you, oh, pfft, yeah, that was that one time. You're not, no, you're, you, you, it's not going to happen that way again. You've you, you got more control over it now. He will lie and lie and lie and lie to you, and then you'll start lying and lying and lying to yourself. See, what I want to do this morning is help you understand that you don't have to continue to sin. You don't have to continue in the addiction that you're in. And listen, you don't have to go through deliverance necessarily to get free from it. You just need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know what Christ has done for you. And you need to accept it, believe it, and walk in it. Because some of you have already get, you give in to the temptation so quickly and you don't know why, but it's because you don't know the price that's already been paid. And you start receiving the price that's been prayed, paid and you accept the grace of God and you say, God, by the grace of God, I'm not going to continue in that. I thank you for giving me the power to overcome that. In that two verses in 15, 16, the word choose is mentioned five times. I preached a whole sermon series on choices. How many, how many choices did we make a day on average? 35,000. How many 35,000 should be lined up with the kingdom of God, with the word of God? 35,000. Is he concerned about what you wear? Yeah, I think he is. Is he concerned about what you eat? I think he is. Is he concerned about where you go? I think he is. Is he concerned about what you think? I think he is. Is he concerned about what you watch? I think he is. Uh, is he concerned about what you listen to? I think he is. He wants to be a part of every part of your life. Is God concerned about where you work? Your influence at work? Sure. Is he, is he concerned about your marriage? Is he concerned how you treat your wife or your spouse? So he's concerned about every little thing about you, every detail of your life, right? Okay. Then I think your choices are important. My choices are important. You know, we like to please ourselves. I had this song come up in my mind. I, 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 was, I, I woke up one night, and it, how many of you ever have a song that comes to you that in, while you're sleeping? And you go back to sleep, and it packs up, and it comes back again. And you go to sleep, and it comes back again. And, and it, was, it was that Garden Party song by Ricky Nelson. <laughs> Went to a garden party to reminisce with my old friends. Remember that? And then the chorus goes, but it's all right now. I've learned to learn my lesson well. You say you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. Hmm. I thought, Lord, am I pleasing myself? Is that what you're trying to say? But I didn't think of that song until I got to this part of the message again. Because... Basically, most of us try to please ourselves. If we're honest, we want things our way. Honestly, right? 
You know, even salvation was a selfish thing. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to miss a hell. I'm selfish. Save me. Right? But when, you, when Christ comes in, he says, I want you to be selfless. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that we don't think of ourselves and, and, and pleasing ourselves. I'm not naive enough to that. I mean, I'm not going to go out with you to eat and you say, what do you want to eat? Now, I'm going to say something I don't like. I'm not. So I'm not saying that God's against us doing some things that really bring pleasure to us. I mean, he put us on this earth and he, he gives us pleasure. Even Just looking out at the snow gives some people pleasure. You know, just looking at God's creation gives us pleasure. But he wants us, he wants us to come to the place where it's, God, is, is, are we good? Is this okay? And he'll tell you. God, does this please you? Yes, son, that pleases me. It's okay. You know, some people want to make sin out of everything. And I'm not here to do that. I like to watch football. Some people, well, you've made God football a, a, a God or an idol. I say, no, I haven't. I just like to watch football. You know, it doesn't consume my life. Now, if it consumes your life, like MJ, I don't know, MJ and the Steelers. <laughs> I told him, I said, we're going to pray for that. Pray for MJ. He's got the Steeler hat and the Steeler shirt. <laughs> but MJ loves Jesus more than he loves the Steelers. If you love the cowboys more than you love Jesus, there's a problem. You're way off. <laughs> oh, shoot. Pray for me, Sandra. Just pray for me. Is this making sense? You're starting out this new year, and God wants your decisions to be so wrapped up in him. And I'm going to tell you, if you let him do that, you're going to have an incredible 2021. Let's, let's move on. And God is pleased with you. Verse 17. God is pleased with you. For in the past you were servants of sin, but now your obedience is heart deep and your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you're devoted to. And listen to this. And now celebrate your freedom. From your former master's sin, you left its bondage and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. Number four is to celebrate your freedom from sin. Aren't you? See, we don't think about celebrating our freedom from sin. We, we think about celebrating a lot of things and we celebrate Jesus, but he wants us to celebrate our freedom that we have because of his grace. And celebrate it. That means rem, be reminded of his grace. Be reminded of his forgiveness. Be reminded of his calling on your life, your, of, of his purpose for your life. Be reminded of that today. How many of you remember when you got saved? Not everybody? Okay, I'm, we're going to have an altar call. If you don't remember when you got saved, you can get saved today and we'll remember it. We'll write it down for you. Do you remember the feeling? Do you remember the, the weight that was lifted off? Do you remember the joy? And, and like if you maybe at youth camp and you want to come home and save everybody. Or that day that you gave your life to Jesus and all that junk just washed off of you. And you, oh, I felt so clean. God wants you to remember his grace so even on that day. Because he wants you to be reminded and celebrate. From that day forward, you were free from sin. You were free from the dominion of sin. It no longer had sway over you. It only can do what you allow it to do. Celebrate your freedom. 
Celebrate that incredible love and forgiveness that he poured out on you. Maybe yesterday, maybe 50 years ago. I see, for me, it's been 51 years. 17 years of age. Gave my life to Jesus Christ. Still working on all that. Like, as we all should be. Verse 19. I've used the familiar terms of a servant and a master to compensate for your weakness to understand. For just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurity and lawlessness, which only brought more lawlessness into your lives, so now surrender yourselves as servants of righteousness, which brings you deeper into true holiness. For when you were bound as a servant to sin, you lived your lives free from any obligation to righteousness. The The fifth thing is that we are servants of righteousness. We're not, you know... I think some translations would say slaves. I, I don't like the word slaves. I like the word servants. Because servants are, we, we've been, we choose to serve. It, it's a bondservant kind of idea that we have chosen to serve the king. I like, that, I like that saying, we serve at the pleasure of the king. We serve at his pleasure because he is our king. But we have chosen him as our king. He didn't come in and say, you have got to serve me. He didn't say, you better get saved or else. No, he said, I love you. I love you. I love you. Give your life to me. I will take care of you. I will usher you into eternity. That's who he is. That's who he is. It's not that we're slaves. It's like, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to serve you. How do you serve God? You serve other people. It's, it's, it's that simple. How do you serve God? You serve other people. How do you worship God? How do you minister to God? You minister to him through your worship, but you minister to him more so by your life. The way you live your life, how you're a blessing to other people. I'm, every person in here, every person, I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you are to be a blessing to somebody else, to everybody you come in contact with. If we walk through life wanting to be a blessing, don't you think this world would be better if every Christian was doing that? Just walking through the life and say, I want to bless somebody today. How can I bless you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? If that was our attitude, listen, the church would be exploding. Because the world would go, wow, these people have got it figured out. It's the opposite of selfishness. It's serving. And it comes through surrender. Isn't that crazy? The, the way we truly become everything that God wants us to be, we surrender. We surrender. We just give up, say, God, I can't do this. And he said, that's great, because I can. I can do it through you. Surrender. Verse 21, almost through. Oh, man, you're going to have time to really get out and play. Any grandparents in here? Got grandkids that are going to want you to get out and play? Just pray. So tell me, verse 21 says, what benefit ensued from doing those things that you're now ashamed of? Hmm. Isn't that a good question? What benefit ensued from doing those things that you're now ashamed of? It left you with nothing but a legacy of shame and death. But now as God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. So consider the benefits, the benefits you now enjoy. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life. For sin's meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift is life eternal found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The gift of grace. Say it's a gift. Salvation is what? A gift. 
You can't earn it. Why did God call it a gift? Because he said you can't earn it. You can't earn the grace of God. He pours it out lavishly. You can't earn his love. He gives it to us. So many people, I have never understood how people could come to the conclusion that I can work hard enough to get into heaven. Because you can't. You'll never be perfect enough. You'll never be good enough. It's his gift that he gave us, which is eternal life. It was his gift of salvation. It was his gift of grace that he poured out upon us. He wanted to make sure you knew that we couldn't earn it. He said, it's, it's a gift. It's, it's a gift of grace through faith, not of words, lest anybody should boast. He said, you can't boast about it. Because all, all, all you can do is boast of God. Celebrate God. Boast of God when you celebrate God. I have the privilege, the tremendous privilege and honor to preach at my brother-in-law's funeral this coming Wednesday. We're flying out to Kentucky Tuesday morning. Going to meet with the family and, and my sister's husband, who was a great influence in my life. Uh, she asked me if I would preach his funeral. And I honored, privileged, and a little bit scared because I don't know if I can do him justice because he was such an honorable, incredible man of God. Great influence on my life. And as I was reading that scripture, about legacy, I thought of Paul's legacy. He even had, the, he even had a great name. His name's Paul. The legacy of faith. I've been reading Facebook posts over and over and over again, and they're just... Nothing but an, a testimony to his goodness, a testimony to God's greatness, a testimony to God's his grace over and over and over again. What a legacy of faith he's leaving because he chose to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. He chose to walk with Jesus. He chose to be in the Word. He chose to follow Him. He chose to, to obey God in every area of His life. He's one of those guys that I don't have to lie at His funeral. Not that I do. I might embellish a little bit. No. You've heard of the t-shirt, live your life so well that you, the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> Paul lived a life so well that his legacy is, I'm, I'm part of his legacy. He was a great influencer in my life, in my wife's life, even though he didn't live here. And I thought, what kind of legacy am I leaving? What kind of legacy would, are you leaving? Who are you passing the baton on to? And what does that baton look like that you're passing? You may up to this day say, well, Pastor, I've lived a, a horrible life. I haven't, I haven't really done much for the kingdom. But today you have a new day. You start today. You start pouring in today. You start pouring out today. You start, you start living the life today. You start walking in the freedom and the grace of God today. And if you mess up, you get up tomorrow and you repent. And you get up and you start over tomorrow. And if you mess up tomorrow, you get up on Tuesday morning. You start over tomorrow on Tuesday. And you say, God, I need your help today to walk through this day in the grace of God. 
When I come back, I'll be doing the funeral for Grace Garcia next Monday. Not tomorrow, but the week after. She went to be with Jesus Friday. And I'll talk about her legacy. Because she, you read the Facebook post, you visit with the family. She was the prayer warrior in the family. She helped us together. You see, that's what every one of us in this place should say, I want my legacy to be. It doesn't matter if you leave somebody a big house or you leave them a lot of money in the bank. That is awesome. But if you're not leaving them a legacy of faith, you've given them nothing. What you need, what I need to do, we need to pass on this goodness of God. We need to pass on the greatness of God. We need to pass on the love of God to our family. When they see us, they don't see the condemnation or the condemning Christian in the family. They see the one in the family that loves. They see the one in the family that forgives. They see the one in the family that says, let's come together. And you don't want to have to wait to a funeral for it to happen. You know, want to wait to a funeral when you say, well, I hope our sister so-and-so comes because, you know, they were so angry. <laughs> Don't be that person. Don't be that one in your family that says, I'm not speaking to so-and-so. Be the one that says, God, give me the grace to go and love on them and ask them to forgive me if I need to. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Jesus looked at us from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He looked at us in the middle of our sin and said, God, Father, I love them. Father, I'm making a way for them. He's calling you. He's calling me to live a life that's a, a, that celebrates the life of Christ, that celebrates the freedom that we have through Christ and his grace. There's an old hymn, and I want to read it as a poem. It says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can we do to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Brighter than snow you may be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face. Will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace. God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. His grace today is bigger than your sin. It's bigger than my sin. And he's just waiting for us to believe. He's just waiting for us to believe. Would you stand this morning?